She can, by the way. Uh, I, I want to try something new this morning. Um, if y'all know me, I'll try, I'll try a lot of weird stuff. I'll do a lot of weird stuff. Y'all know me, I'll try almost anything. But I want to try something new, and it's a declaration I want to do at the beginning of the sermon and at the, and at the end. Um, and I've seen other churches do it, and I'm not trying to tag on to them. I just feel like the Lord has kind of placed it in my heart uh, and in the church's heart to um, prepare our hearts to receive and to activate the word that is given to us by the church and by the body each week. So we're going to try this for a couple weeks, see if it works, see if it doesn't, see if it really lays hold, lays hold in your heart. Um, go ahead and look over it. I don't want you to have to repeat something that you don't know you're about to repeat. I don't like it when people do that to me. Um, but just look over this and see if you would be willing to maybe declare this before we receive the word. Whether you're a fast reader or a slow reader, have you read it? Everybody okay? Let's declare this together. I acknowledge that Jesus is Lord of my life, and I yield to the work of your Holy Spirit. You are speaking, and I am listening. You have a good plan for my life, and I desire your plans to come forth for my life. Amen. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now is the time to receive that. You've already experienced the presence of the Lord. You've been feeling something tug at you. I want you to know that is the Spirit of God tugging at you. And it just says that if you will call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You don't have to overthink this. You don't have to overwork it. You just have to receive it and believe it. Amen. So if you've come in here today and you're lost, you don't have to be lost any longer. Call on the name of the Lord. And then get with the pastor, get with one of our church members and tell somebody. And let us help start that process of following Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I don't want you to have to read something that you can't hardly totally agree with. And uh, Jesus Christ may not be Lord of your life. But if that's the case right now, right where you are, just ask him to be Lord. Amen? All right. Breaking Bad. We started this two weeks ago. And I really took a long time the first week of the series uh, talking about habits. And I encourage you that uh, if you have, have, haven't heard that or are dealing with some bad habits in your life, go back and listen to that sermon. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a recap. But um, I want you to know that habits in our life really have strongholds in our life that we don't even know exist. Uh, there was a man by the name of Hopkins back in the early 1900s um, that possibly identified uh, this, what's called the um, habit loop, the habit loop. And whether he created it or invented it or just kind of capitalized on it, I want to focus there just for a moment. And you can see the circle. It starts with a cue. Something happens in your life that cues you to a routine. Something happens, next thing you know, you're doing something, and out of you doing something, you get some type of reward from doing that, whether it's positive or negative. But as this process begins to take place in your life, you start to develop a craving. And it is that craving that fuels that habit. If the, if the reward is negative and you hate it, you're going to wind up breaking it and going in a different route. But if the reward is fulfilling, whether positive or negative, you start to desire that. You ever had something to eat and you start thinking about it and you can't stop thinking about it until you go get it again? I mean, it's the way I think Coca-Cola has. Nothing else is like a Coke. Sometimes you just crave a Coke. 
and really there's hardly stopping you once you really get that craving from going and getting it. Um, so researchers had, have learned that these cues could be almost anything from a visual trigger such as a candy bar or a television commercial to a certain place or a time of day or an emotion or a sequence of thoughts or the company of particular people. Just to kind of stay on that note just for a moment, we've just been through Thanksgiving and going on Christmas. What kind of thoughts do you have when your family shows up? Anybody have thoughts when family shows up that normally is not there? Especially if it's parents that you're not seeing every single week, your parents show up and all of a sudden you have certain thoughts, right? What you don't realize is they have thoughts about you too. <laughs> All we think about are the th things that we have. But these routines, this circle that we fall into, can be complex or simple. And there are some that have been studies done on emotional responses or emotional habits that are measured in milliseconds. The second you have that feeling, it happens in a split second. And rewards, the reward side can be anything from food or drugs or a physical sensation or an emotional payoff such as the feeling of pride or accompanied praise or self-congratulations. I showed you two weeks ago that one of the reasons why I run is because of the sense of accomplishment that I get when I'm done, whether it's a four-mile run or a 10-mile run. There is something about accomplishing that that drives me to want to do it again. As dumb as that may sound, it is a real driving force, that as well as being able to eat junk food and not gain weight. There is a reward to it, whether it's positive or negative. But habits that we fall into are so powerful, but they're delicate. They can emerge outside our consciousness or with our knowing. And they often occur without our permission, but can be reshaped by fiddling with their parts. And these habits shape our lives more than we realize. They're so strong that we will cling to them so tightly in exclusion of everything else, especially common sense. Even though we have the common sense not to do it, we still continue to do it. So as I've just recapped, and I know that's a lot to take in right then. Let me ask you, I'm going to ask you like I did two weeks ago, which shoe do you tie first every morning? You have to really, do you have to think about it? Who cares? Does it matter? But yet you do it. When you take a shower, what order do you go in? Do you go in the same order? Have you ever accidentally gotten out of order and you're stuck in the shower like? I'm not kidding. You have a moment where you don't think your life can go further. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just weird, but I'll have those moments like, what has happened? The earth has just stopped. I've gotten out of order. Have you ever gotten out of the shower and you forgot to do something? Have you ever driven to work or driven home and not remembered doing it? I want you to know that God has placed in us the ability to form these habits and do them without hardly even thinking. Studies have shown that when we learn a new habit, our brains go on overload. But the more we do it and the more we do it and the more we do it, the less and less brain function it takes. Unfortunately, the world and Satan have capitalized on that. 
and have hooked you into terrible habits. We talked two weeks ago about the family that cooks every night and has family dinner time around the table, but had a, had a night, Tuesday night, the child, one child was at dance, the other one had music lessons, the other one had sports, and uh, the mom had work and the dad had work, and they just said, hey, let's just stop at McDonald's. No problem, no biggie, but stopped. Then what happened next Tuesday, they did it again. And then after a couple weeks like that, next thing you know, it becomes Thursday. And all of a sudden, you've developed a habit. And every time those kids see those golden arches, let me tell you, we just had McDonald's last week for some odd reason. And fries, we had, they had hot fries. And I just, a day or two ago, had one of my children say, do you remember us eating those hot McDonald's fries? This was over a week ago that we ate it. But still remembering that. You know what that is? That's the craving. They got us. Do you follow me? It's how sin can grab you. McDonald's fries is not sin, I don't think. I don't know. We'll leave it at that. But that's how sin gets you. Because there is a reward to sin. It says it only lasts for a season. But there is a reward. And many times it gets us. And we do it without thinking. I want you to know that the things of God, if we will do them over and over and over, we'll get to where we do them without thinking. God created us to be successful, to be successful in his word and in his kingdom, not to be successful in the way the world does things. Do you hear me? So, of all of our habits, all of our issues, I want you to know they start in our thoughts. That's why we're starting there. Step number one, last week was habits. All of these are going to kind of flow through habits, but today is thoughts. Does anybody here ever have an interesting thought? Negative? Positive? Bad ones, good ones? Anybody here ever have self-loathing thoughts? Uplifting thoughts? Negative, positive? Lies? Truth? Terrifying? Fearful? One thing that we want to address today and each week is what cues those thoughts. What cues those thoughts? I want you to know that the cues in your life you've got to pay attention to because if every time I see a, a candy factory I go binge on chocolate, I would binge on chocolate twice a day because I work right next to a candy factory. Do you follow me? So. If, can't, if the chocolate factory cues something in my mind, I need to learn to replace that, that response with something different. Not binging on chocolate. Maybe just something different. You replace what it would be, but something that had a reward. And I want you to know that as when, when I went through Weight Watchers in 2008, I had to replace junk food with fruit. And I didn't like it, and I didn't want it, and it made me mad. Can anybody relate? But fruit on Weight Watchers is free. I can eat a pound of it, and I would still lose weight. You'd say, you're crazy. I'm telling you, and you can ask my wife. I ate my weight in fruit. But once I got in the habit, the habit took over. Yeah, I still like junk food and Little Debbie's and ice cream, but I knew my plan was for fruit. 
the Word of God the same way. I can replace my sinful thoughts and my sinful nature, that routine, with a godly nature because He's given that to me. I am a new creation. I have the mind of Christ. I don't have to stay where I am. So what are the cues to your thoughts, damaging, good or bad? When you go to your parents' house, do you have all these negative thoughts? I said it this morning, I, I have great thoughts about my parents. So as I, as I relate parental, parental issues, don't think it's because I've got issues with my parents, which I do. But we're not talking, talking about that today. Yeah. But when you show up at your parents, do you have certain thoughts that you're holding them captive and it's holding you captive by everything that ever happened in your life? I can sit here and remember negative things that happened in my childhood, and I can hold those thoughts over them and over me for the rest of my life, but I choose not to because I know they love me. They're for me. And those thoughts, I've either either dealt with them one-on-one or I've dealt with the Lord or I've let them go. But we show up with siblings or with our spouse or with our family, and the second I see you, I think something. That goes for everyone in the room. The second I see you, I think something. When I look at Zach, I start having thoughts. Some of them are positive. Some of them are negative. I'm really not trying to be funny. When you look at me, you think some positive thoughts, some negative thoughts. It's just the way it goes. If you know me well enough, you'll have some negative thoughts. Do you ever have negative thoughts about me? Tell the truth. You're You're a liar. Because I know. Yeah, we do. We work through them. I think. But how do those thoughts drive me? Me and my wife, we've been married. Oh, gosh, why did I do this? (laughs) 23 years. 23 years. And in those 23 years, we've had positive things happen and negative. I can dwell on the negative if I choose. And I can filter my whole life and my relationship with her based on those negative thoughts. But Satan and those negative thoughts cannot have me, nor my marriage. We have dealt with our issues, we are dealing with our issues, and we are choosing to think good things. Because she loves me. She loves the Lord. What does that mean? So, thoughts. Mark chapter 7, verse 21. I want you to catch this. From within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come come from within you. They are what defile you. I want you to know that your issues start in your head. They start in your thoughts. And this word thought is the Greek word for dialogue. And what dialogue means is an inward reasoning, a questioning, a consideration, and a deliberation. Turning things over, turning thoughts over in your mind. But the connection that I'm wanting to make in Luke 2.35, it says that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I want you to know that there's a connection between your thoughts and your heart your thoughts, and your heart. Whenever you start to really process your thoughts, you're going to see where your heart is. Whenever your spouse or your loved one begins to share their heart, you find out what their thoughts are. 
And you know, until you can get to that point, it's hard to deal with your issues. If you can't get to the root of what the heart is, we can sit here and play games all day long, but until we get to the root, we're going we're gonna to struggle. And that's where we are today, is to get to the root. When your true thoughts are revealed, your heart is revealed. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a situation where someone was having a real extreme breakdown moment and they finally shared what was in their heart? And it's like, oh, God, that's what you feel? And it's at that point that healing can take place. Unfortunately, so many times we just surfacely try to get through relationship but never share what's in our heart. Sometimes it takes a breaking moment that someone can finally share where their heart is. And it hurts. It's hurtful. But it's not until that point that you can really start to heal. Are you guys with me? I know this is deep. I know this goes really deep. But I want you to know that your issues, the things that you're battling, begin in your thoughts, in your heart. And I'm going to show you in James chapter 1 that it's where... Sin is conceived is in your mind. But look at Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. What's in your heart? And when we talk about our heart, it's, it's our thoughts. It's genuinely what you believe to be true. It's genuinely what you have bought into. What you have bought into. In James chapter 1, verse 14 it says but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and I believe those desires are your thoughts your heart your heart's desires and enticed and I believe that enticed is that cue that thing that triggers you to move so each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed then when desire has conceived it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. When you sin, it has come because a thought of that sin came first. So if we can get to the root, then the next step doesn't come. You follow that? It's, the, it's at the beginning, and the root of our, it's at the root of our habits, our problems, and our challenges, which are our thoughts. Look at James chapter 4. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your fights and your quarrels come from your thoughts, come from your heart. Now, if you're really battling and quarreling with your spouse or with your family or with your friends, you have a role to play in that. It's not one-sided. It takes two to tango. You cannot change someone else's thoughts. You can, uh, you can change yours. And I'm going to show you, you can. You can change your thoughts. You may say, Pastor Paul, you don't know how tough my thoughts are. You don't know how tough mine are. But I'm going to show you from God's word that you can change them. You can. You are not defeated. You are not stuck in a hole that you can never get out of because of these thoughts that you have. You can. And I'm going to prove it by the word. Your thoughts are the root of your quarrels and your fights. Same with your habits and your sin. I would like for you to consider this week, journal your thoughts. 
write them down. And I don't mean every little nitpicking thought like, oh, my ear itches. Right? I mean, you may need to write a bunch down until you can kind of filter through what are the primary thoughts. I want you to know just about a year or two ago, I did this and couldn't believe what I wrote down. I looked at it and half the stuff on it was a lie. But I just said, Lord, what's in my heart? And I just started writing it down. I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. And I looked at it and I'm like, I believe that? As I could have some perspective and zoom back out and say, well, I know that not to be true. I know better, but in my heart, this is what I'm gauging my life on. Is a lie. Write them down. I believe it will shock you. But then after you start to see what those big thoughts are, start to ask the Lord, what cues that? What makes that thought pop into my head? Because I don't get up in the morning and have every terrible thought ever. I start through my work. I drive to work. There's cues that happen as I drive to work. There's cues that happen when I interact with my staff. There's cues that happen when I interact with my kids and with my wife, when I interact with my parents, when I interact with people, when I sit down at my computer and I get junk email. I get cues. I hate junk email. I hate forwards, by the way. Praise God I've not gotten a forward in forever, but I hate them. You know what a forward is? If you don't know, ask someone before you send me one. Yeah. But it cues. I get cues when that happens. So let me ask you this. I want to try to give you some actionable responses today. When you write your thoughts down, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is there truth in that thought? I want you to know that sometimes my wife will bring a critical word or my parents will bring a critical word or the board the board, uh, the uh, deacon board will bring a critical word or good friends around me or even not good friends around me will bring a critical word sometimes. And I want to just react like, be quiet. But, but wisdom would say, what truth is in that? Is there truth in that? Because you may be lying to yourself. You may be lying to yourself. There may be a thought that you're having that's really defeating you and you need to go and look for truth. You know what truth is? Truth is truth. It's real. It doesn't waver. You line it up with God's word that's truth and there's truth. But then you ask this question, is my thoughts a lie? I had a lot of self-loathing thoughts that I wrote down that I knew to be a lie. And I could take God's word and I could talk to God's people and be confirmed. What I'm believing is a lie. Are, are y'all are y'all with me? Write it down and start to measure it up. How do we measure up God? How do we measure up our thoughts? By the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and by the body of God. I sit down with people. I was telling this morning, Burton Putman's one that I sit down with pretty regularly. And if I ever dump dump my heart, some, usually it's to him. I don't know why he was the one that the Lord's put in my path, but Burton was here first service. And you know what Burton says when I dump my heart to him? I did it just this last week. Sometimes he says, you know what, that's true, that's good. I would keep going in that direction. Other times he'd say, Paul, that's not true at all. That's a lie. I thought you were my friend. I am your friend. And that's a lie. Do you hear me? He knows the Spirit of God. Anybody here in Burton's Sunday school class? Does he hear from God? Yes. 
Does he love the Lord? Yes. Can you trust him? Yes. So I hear from God through people, through the body of Christ. So is there truth in it? Is there lie in it? Let me ask you this. What does the word of God say about that thought? Your parents may have said or your teacher may have said, you'll never amount to anything. You're no good. You'll never be anything. And you've lived your life according to that. Well, I want you to write that down and measure it up with God's word. God's word says that you are his creation, created in his image. You have the mind of Christ. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. The things that you place your hands to will be successful when you fall under his kingdom. Not, you're not going to ever be worth anything. That's just a flat-out lie. So can you measure up your thoughts with God's word? He will line them up for you. What does the body of Christ say about it? And what does the Holy Spirit say? Okay, I've been in the Word. I've talked to some other godly people. Holy Spirit, what do you say about it? And you'll get that warm, fuzzy feeling if it's confirming, or you'll get a sandpaper fingernails across the chalkboard feeling. You ever had that? Something's wrong. Quit living my life according to that. Are you guys with me? Then respond. Remember the cue and the response because you're going to see that the godly reward that he has for you is so much better than any worldly reward could provide for you. Pastor, my thoughts are overwhelming. I can't hardly handle my thoughts. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to close with this one. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Who takes the thoughts captive? Can you all just say something? Who takes the thoughts captives? Jesus doesn't have to die on the cross again for the thoughts that you're battling. We don't have to have a prayer meeting and a prayer line to take the thoughts captive. You have to take them captive. Now, we may need to pray. I'm not against prayer. <laughs> but you take your thoughts captive. You. I want you to see what else it says. Demolish arguments. Who does? You have the ability to demolish arguments. Now, I want you to know I am an arguer. I kind of want to argue with that. <laughs> but I'm an arguer. I like a battle. It wakes me up in the morning. Have you all ever seen the movie Michael? The angel? Yeah, I don't recommend it. But he's just looking for a bull to go battle. Battle. And if you push me, great. I'm going to push you back. Hey, hey we're, we're having fun now. Well, that's not fun at all. Well, it is to me. I like an argument. But I can demolish those arguments. I can. I have the spirit of self-control. I have Christ in me. And I can demolish all arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And I can take my negative thoughts and make them obedient. Do you know that when, according to the Word of God, when I have the Spirit of God, when I take those thoughts and command them to go in the direction that they're supposed to go in, they submit 
because of God's word and his power. My thoughts will submit to the word of God. Every time. When I submit my thoughts to God's word and to his power and to his spirit and to his body, they submit. You're having depressive thoughts? Sub, get those things captive and submit. get them to submit to God's word. I know many of you are battling depression. I want you to know first and foremost, put on the spirit of pr- praise. Put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You want depression to leave? Start praising the Lord. Well, pastor, I don't think that'll work. I don't care whether you think it will or not. It will work. And it's not based on your emotion. It's not based on whether you feel good or not. If you wait to feel good, you will live in a depressive state the rest of your life. If you will give those depressive thoughts over to praise, those depressive thoughts are going to go. They have to. Man, are y'all with me? This is way better than this is what this is better than McDonald's fries. Pastor, quick talk about food. It's 11.45. How many, of you, how many of you need to be free of your thoughts? Well, this is it. Let's act. When you have a self-loathing thought, what triggers it? When you have depressive thoughts, when does it happen? Anger, rage, lust, hatred, envy. These are real battles. And if you don't start warring against them, you're going to live a defeated life. Take those, those cap, those, take those thoughts captive and bring them under. Bring them under the obedience of Christ. I want you to know that things cannot hide in light. And we are masters at holding our thoughts in the dark. I want you to know God already knows those thoughts, but if you will bring them to the light... God will deal with them. He will make them obedient to his word. Can you imagine your thoughts becoming obedient to God's word? But you have to act. We take every thought captive. If we don't, they keep us captive. So I want to encourage you, write them down, share them with a trusted loved one. And get them in the light. Get them in the light. Darkness flees. Darkness flees when the light comes. Get them in the light. Amen? All right. Well, I want to close. I want us to finish and kind of activate this word. If y'all will just read over this. I want us to say this together if you're willing. Everybody okay? Okay, let's say this together. I commit to seek you, Jesus, your word and your spirit this week. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. I will take my thoughts captive and bring them under submission to your authority. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your spirit. We will have victory because of you. In Jesus' name, amen.